Drama on One. Sundays at 8pm. rta.ie forward slash drama on one. Drama on one. You're listening to In The Wings, where artists talk about their lives and their work, and the second of two episodes exploring the Baptiste programme. Smock Alley Theatre's ambitious initiative to develop new dramatic writing with Irish writers of colour. Last week, we heard from Lucy Ryan, Director of Programming and Finance at Smock Alley Theatre, and dramaturg Pamela McQueen. This week's edition features two participants from the inaugural Baptiste programme, writer-performer Kwaku Fortune and writer C.N. Smith. Kwaku discusses his play It's Cool in the Shade and performs excerpts from the piece with actor Clinton Liberty, who also joins in the discussion. C.N. Smith tells us about his play A Trip to the Beach with excerpts performed by Clinton Liberty and Peter Daly. And just a note that the programme contains some strong language along the way. My name is C.N. Smith. Hi, my name is Quakey Fortune. The name of my play is A Trip to the Beach. My play is called It's Cool in the Shade. A Trip to the Beach is a story about uh, a father and son called Frank and Eli. And they kind of have some trouble in their past and they're kind of going through a rough patch. The play follows their kind of trip to a beach, uh, which is their kind of opportunity to reconnect with each other and to kind of resolve their issues together in a really focused way. And so this is their opportunity to kind of go away together, spend a weekend together and kind of reconnect and resolve those issues. Nothing is ever good enough for you, is it? What's that supposed to mean? Nothing I do. You're never happy. What do you mean? With my friends. You know what I'm talking about. I thought we weren't talking about this. Well, I want to talk about it. I don't. I don't care. You're never happy. Why don't you like my friends? I do like them. No, you don't. You told me to stop hanging around with them. Why? I just... I didn't think they were good for you. They made me nervous. Why? I don't know. No reason? I have reasons. I just don't know how... Well, they're not very clear. All I know is, you didn't like me hanging around with my black friends. Will you stop with all the black stuff? Well, I'm black, am not I? No, you're not. I'm not. Well... Everyone else thinks so. Like who? You're changing the subject. You didn't like me hanging around with my friends from football. Is that better? So I stopped, and I got some different ones. And then... Don't talk about that. Why shouldn't I? It was a pretty big event. Don't talk about it, Eli. I just want to know what your problem is. If you didn't want to deal with any of this, you could have avoided it. What does that mean? You're not stupid. You know what it means. No, go on. You could have not had me in the first place. Then you wouldn't have to think about any of this stuff. I think it's one of those plays that swims around your head for a while. I've heard people talk about how your first play, often you spend your whole life up until that point writing, and then it, it, gets, it gets harder kind of from the second one on. So I think this is, this is kind of the one that I, I've spent years writing. I, I kind of was fascinated with trying to write a play about pain and unacknowledged pain and pain that is passed on from generation to generation and how it might be passed on unintentionally. Yeah, so obviously this is my first play. It's called It's Cool in the Shade. So it's three brothers coming together at their mother's funeral and dealing with her estate, dealing with the grief. And also they're kind of estranged in a way. One has been in Canada, the eldest. So he's coming back. He's like the prodigal son. 
the youngest has a different dad than the two others. So there's a separation there from the mother. He's trying to refind his identity and connection after the mother's passed. And then there's also the mother's adopted a young African woman called Mary who's been living in the house and who's been caring for her with the middle brother. So that's they all come together and drama ensues, I suppose. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Jokes? Nice. On the day of my mother's funeral, my mother, the day that beautiful woman, salt of the earth, light of my life, is being laid to rest in this sacred Irish soil. You thought, wait, hold on. Let me just get this straight. You figured Rory would love some pumpkin in his chai latte. Ha, did you? Pet me up with a bit of pumpkin, is it? Put a pep in your step with a pumpkin spice chai latte. Excellent for all occasions, christenings, weddings, burying your loved ones. Mam's not being buried here. Right. You've still got Ghana, remember? The Ghana leg, yeah, the away leg. On that, bro, I, I still haven't got confirmation. Are you stoned? The flights are booked. Uncle has them. The tickets. He'll give us the physical ones today, I think. I told you all this. Uncle Kojo is so old school. No email in a cry, no? <laughs> Just stop. One funeral at a time, okay? Uh, it's weird, because I was saying to Pamela, it kind of came to me in a daydream. I kind of was like, what would happen if my mum died? Which is terrible. Touch wood. And then the story just came to me. It's it's completely fictional. Obviously, there's a lot of stuff from my past and maybe some of my brothers are in it. Some maybe aren't, which they'll be pissed off. But anyway, I've been thinking about it about two years now. So, yeah. I was doing a, a piece for young audiences with the Civic out in Tala. And I had to do a little piece of promo for that. And uh, Pamela saw that and she kind of got in touch with me and asked if I wanted to be involved. Regarding the program as a whole I think it was really helpful to me to have a kind of a structured program wherein I would be required to write and to get an idea down on paper the version of the play that we're hearing now is is not finished <laughs> in the way that no play ever is finished but it's there in kind of all of its soupy glory <laughs> you know because it was something that I just had to get down quick and to kind of work through and uh, yeah the program was great for requiring me to do that. The Baptista program gave me a, a more well-rounded kind of knowledge of all the different parts of how to construct a play essentially which is going to help with acting as well so it's great. I'm a bit of a newcomer in a way I had no involvement in theatre or in writing at all up until I was maybe 17, 18. I was dead set my whole life on being an architect. <laughs> um, that was that was where I was headed. And then I was in transition year and we had to do, as part of that programme, we had to do a musical. And so I was up on stage and I just caught the bug instantly. I, I've been infected ever since. Uh, and so then I went on and I studied drama and theatre in Trinity, kind of got involved with players over there and I kind of spent four years just kind of away from the sun just locked in that building yeah I suppose the rest is history I, I went on and I did a I did a master's this year in playwriting at the Lear and yeah so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of all in so to speak this is my first time writing anything so yeah I started acting well there's a long answer and a short I'll give you the short answer uh, I joined the Drama Society in IT Tala when I was studying marketing and just, yeah, fell in love with it. I was kind of, they had like the society's day, all the desks. And I joined up for like go-karting and archery and loads of stuff I didn't end up doing. And I was walking by the desk and this really handsome Nigerian guy called Dami kind of stopped me. Because I stopped and then I walked on. He goes, hey, come back, come back. 
And I was like, no, no, it's not for me. It's not for me. He goes, no, just sign up. And I was like, I don't have any more money. I've been signed up for loads of things. He goes, look, you don't have to pay anything. Come, we're doing a, like a workshop this evening. Just come and see what you think. And I went to the workshop and it was all improv. And I was terrified and I felt horrible, but it was like addictive. I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. And then I got cast as Algernon. Uh, we did the importance of being earnest. And from then, everything just started happening. Went to the Lear then. So yeah. So this is my first full length drama i've written a few kind of shorter pieces uh, mostly actually for radio kind of short audio monologues and they were both kind of for young audiences so one was about kind of the history of tala it was as part of a show called ode to a postcode which was made by freshly grand theater uh, as part of the fringe uh, two or three years ago before this i was doing a piece called at the very beginning which is a kind of a, a secular or like a, an ecological creation myth so taking that kind of you know something that you would hear in the book of genesis and turning it into something that's more ecological and the idea that humans are made out of the elements that surround us i did three years and i left see i tried to get into the layer in second year because i did a tv series called the importance of being whatever which is another play on the importance of being earnest which is funny but I, the lead actress in that, Lauren Coe, had just got into the Lear and she told me about it. So I auditioned that first year. I didn't get in. And then I tried again. And I got in the second year. So I think it was, as far as I know, 2014. So, yeah. And I finished in 2018. I think I started, as many people do, uh, off as an actor and then kind of quickly discovered that that was not where my passion was or that when you start acting, the draw of the attention and the immediate gratification is is really intoxicating. But then when you kind of bring that further into a college environment or into a professional environment, it, it, it gets complicated, I think, or I found it got complicated. And so I was much more drawn to kind of constructing things from the outside and kind of letting them loose and kind of fiddling with things and being a bit more meddling and <laughs> in control in that way. Hello, my name is Clinton Liberty. Uh, so the excerpt we're going to read is uh, myself reading the part of Rory and Clinton Liberty, the great Clinton Liberty, reading the part of Kwame. Uh, in this section of the play, it's kind of like the, the opening scene. Uh, all the, the three brothers and Mary have come down to find no coffee in the in the kitchen, essentially the, the essential fuel for the day. And it all hinges that Rory being Rory forgot to get it as he did the shopping yesterday. And it's just before the funeral, so... Tensions are high and those kind of tensions are subverted with comedy and trying to not think of the fact that their mother has passed, if that makes sense. Stop pulling me like a dog, man. This fuck, who couldn't even buy coffee yesterday, can hardly dress himself, is late, tricks me into playing fucking Tekken with him and can't even tie his own toy. How old are you, man? Ah, you're just sore you lost. And fuck off. When does man ever need to wear a toy? Oi, step off, bro. Hold on, look, just calm, bro. I'll just consult YouTube real quick. For what? To learn the art of tie-tying, innit? Come here, dickhead. We don't have time for you to look up a tutorial or get a diploma on how to tie a fucking toy. You doing a double Windsor, bro? Ah, do you hear this, boy? Double Windsor, double Windsor. We don't have time, bro. You're getting the basic bog-standard toy. No, I want the double Windsor. It's Mam's funeral, man. She always used to do the double Windsor for special occasions. Me communion, Grand's funeral for that interview with the Maldron Hotel that I banjaxed. It's important, bro. Do it like Mam done it. Do it for Mam, bro. Please, Kwame. All right, all right. Fuck me. Jesus, come here. Just give me the toy, bro. 
I won't be able to do the double Windsor on you. I'll need to do it on myself first. But ma'am did it on me. I'm not ma'am, am I? Give me the bloody thing. You teach a man, I want to learn. Present it, bro. Now? Now you want to learn? When the car's almost here, and you hear him. Present it. We don't have time. Do a voice. What? Yeah. Pretend you know what you're doing. My relationship to writing is kind of similar to my relationship with acting. It's kind of come quite late and I never had the confidence to fully go for it. So I'd, I'd written a short in the past, but had loads of ideas about things that I wanted to put to paper. But I think the great thing about the Baptista programme and, and the timing of when Pamela came and asked, because I had told someone, no, I didn't want to write before. And then she was like, would you want to get into this programme? I was like, yes. And I just jumped in and it was just brilliant to learn about form and, and time and how you, how you just structure everything. And it put like structure to all the mad thoughts in my head. And I mean, I still need a lot of work, but it was just a great stepping stone. So yeah, it was fantastic. I'm from Meath, but I was originally born in Nigeria. I'm a Wicklow man from a little village called Roundwood, up in the Wicklow Mountains. My mum is Ghanaian and my dad's Irish. They met in Heidelberg. That's not necessary, but they did anyway. I have three younger brothers and I come from a massive family in Wicklow called the Fortune Family and then a massive family in Ghana called the Euphoriad Family. So that's kind of, the play is an amalgamation of those two kind of histories, I suppose. It was it was a big contrast back then anyways, when I came. It was sort of, sort of a culture shock, especially as a young kid because I was eight years old. It was a big difference from, you know, having Nigerian friends and also just because with cultures, there's a sense of humour that differentiates within different cultures. So I think that was the hardest thing for me to sort of adopt was the sense of humour. I didn't quite understand it for a while. So when I was in primary school, it, I was a little rocky making new friends because I just didn't get it. And um, But, you know, over time, I slowly sort of started to acclimatise with the environment and the language and, and yeah, things just started to... It was easy sailing once I understood the, the sort of Irish sense of humour because it's very distinct. It's not, you know, sort of similar to other countries. I'm from a mixed background. My mother is Irish and my father is African-American um, from Detroit, Michigan. And so I grew up between kind of Drogheda and Clarehead, County Louth. And so I went to school out in Dunlear in Scullywarry represent <laughs> and so yeah so that's where that's where I've been growing up so it, it's kind of a seaside village kind of heavy emphasis on fishing and kind of farming and that that's the kind of milieu of place if you will yeah when the family moved my mom because my mother is a fashion designer and she just has clients all over the world she lived in America for a while and I think she kind of just thought America was a bit crazy in terms of bringing up a family and then she, I think she had clients over here as well. But when she went to Laytown, she thought, this is a beautiful place to sort of bring kids up. And uh, yeah, we all just moved to Meath. And yeah, that was the reason. Growing up in Roundwood was uh, fabulous, actually. It was lovely. Um, being in the country, there's such freedom. Like we used to rally cars and get into all sorts. And there's no really, well, so maybe I shouldn't say this, but there's not much guard of presence. So you can just have the crack, you know, so... <laughs> Not that we're doing anything too wild, but like, yeah, it was a really, really good time growing up there. The sea is really essential in the rest of the play. It's not central to these sections that we're going to be hearing today. But as we move through the rest of the play, the sea takes on a kind of a, a real persona within the piece. And it, it's kind of it's a character within itself. And I'm really fascinated by settings 
and maybe it's to do with being raised kind of around beaches uh, settings that have a life and that feel like an organism within themselves that feel like they're constantly changing that they're really delicate but also really epic at the same time Eli I don't look at you like that like what? like you're like you're my black child so what am I then? you're just my son you're my son that's nice dad what's wrong with that? no that's really helpful if you can't see things how they are how am I supposed to talk to you? You can tell me anything, Eli. How? How am I supposed to do that? If you can't even understand where I'm coming from, I can't tell you anything. And they understood where you were coming from, is that it? They understood you more than me. Your friends know you better than me. Why are you being so dramatic about it? Well, go on. Am I right? I don't want to talk to you if you're not going to listen. I'm listening. You're hearing what you want to hear. No, am I right? They understand you better than I do. I'm not doing this anymore. Why can't you talk to me? Because you don't want to talk. You just want to win. You don't want to do all the bits of talking that actually mean anything. You're not being fair. I'm not trying to be fair. So what do you want from me? I don't want anything. Please, Eli. I don't need anything from you. Just let me fix it. It can't be fixed. Please. You've done all you can. It's time to move on. Discussions around race, colour, the new Irish, they're really important for me. I think they find their way into kind of every piece of work that I do. In terms of the Baptiste programme, we were never made to feel like we had to write about a particular subject. I just found myself gravitating towards it. I, I found myself thinking that like, well, this is, I may not have an opportunity like this again to write about this specific subject that I find personally really fascinating really important just in terms of my own identity so yeah i i really wanted to take the opportunity to kind of delve deeply into that subject and so it's really central to the play and it's really essential to the kind of the life of of the drama there wasn't many people of color around it. there was in our school there was two twins who were romanian who were slightly darker so they got you know that kind of thing and then when we came to school it was funny enough they kind of were slagging us for being black which was interesting like well you're black to be honest I didn't I wasn't fully aware of the fact that I was anything different or of a different colour until I went to primary school because all my cousins who I used to hang out with it was never mentioned it was never it was never a thing so yeah I only realised that actually going into primary school but again it was it started out kind of a bit weird but then like they're all lovely and I got on with everyone and you get over these things and I think my mum being coming from her background was just like just ignore it there's no point in getting in fights there's no point in getting uh, aggro and then once that happened I think I was instead of being tight and trying to fight back I just laughed and got on with it and then actually all the other people became my friends and like I was good at football so that helped so yeah all that kind of thing. Like anything and like anyone's identity it's a journey and it's something that takes on new flavour and new nuance, kind of the older you get and the, the more experience you have. I think when at a very young age, I felt really, how should I say, I felt separate and I felt very much other in a way that was quite unpleasant and that I still have kind of really unpleasant memories. But as I've grown older and as I've maybe my 
skin has thickened up a bit uh, and I've been able to observe things a bit more from the outside or observe things, uh, you know, on a, a kind of a relational or a societal level. I think I've started to appreciate my Irishness a bit more, even just in small ways, you know, the way I speak. I wouldn't have had any touch of an Irish accent until very recently. That's a very recent development. It's a weird one. I, I kind of would have shied away from considering myself or calling myself Irish. It's a new development, whereas now I would, would say it with pride or whatever. I would, you know, it, it, it's something that is important to me now, but that maybe may not have been the case two, three or four years ago. Where have you been? Washing my hair, thanks to you. Yeah, yeah. Everything's my fault. Well, who else's fault is it? Do you not get tired being a victim all the time? I'd say it's exhausting. What are you talking about? Always whinging. I had to wash my hair because you put sand in it. Can't you live with a little bit of sand in your hair? Why are you talking like this? Like what? Are you calling me a bad father? Where is that sound coming from? You're hearing things. Were they your friends? Who? Those girls who were here earlier. Dad, I told you. Answer the question. I don't know who you're on about. They look like the kind of people you'd be friends with. What do you mean? You know what I mean. What? Black? That's not what I mean. That's what it sounds like. Am I right or not? They wear black, but that's obviously not what I mean. Stop changing the subject. I'm not changing the subject. You brought it up. They were around here looking in the windows and everything. So you thought they were my friends? No, that's not why. Then what made you think that? Look, I'm sorry. I don't know. Let's drop it. No, let's go for it if you want. I don't. Yeah, I mean, I think it was when you're like five or six going to school and then these things are being named at you and, oh, your your mother's black. And I just couldn't even comprehend. I didn't, and I couldn't, like, yeah, maybe she is quite dark, but I would have never thought to put those words on it and to be called other, you know. So, I mean, it was tough, tough enough in those first few years. But, I don't know, you grow thick skin and you get over it and you learn to kind of laugh and just get on with life, I suppose. I was one of two black people in the lair. My other, my friend, close friend, Patrick Martins, was the other um, black actor, an amazing black actor. And yeah, it was, it was really beneficial as well because when I first entered the lair, you see the alumni on the walls, you see their headshots spread on the walls. And it was a little bit worrying because I didn't see any, you know, anybody that really looked like me. But I think I was lucky in a way because I didn't care. I just knew exactly what I wanted to do. So whether I saw people who looked like me or didn't see anybody, it didn't really matter because I was like, this is what I'm going to do. And I think once you put your foot down, things start to seem a little bit easier, you know. But that being said as well, it's improving now because there's a lot more black actors and diverse actors, not just black actors, but actors of all ethnicities from all over the world that are being accepted into the Lear. So it's, it's especially for the, you know, young and up and coming actors and it's important because I'll never forget that saying, you can't be what you can't see. And I think that's very important, especially in the youth for today. So, yeah. Shut up and drink your tea, it's getting cold. Tea? What's this talk of tea? Where's the coffee? You forgot to buy the coffee yesterday, you little prick. What? There's no coffee on that list, bro. Coffee is common sense. There's always coffee on the list. Wait, 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 wait. I texted you a list, bro. You texted a list, all right. Sans coffee, bro. That means without coffee. I know what that means, dickhead. Hold on. 
Let me get out the evidence here, bro. Look, I'll show you. See? No coffee, bro. Look. Ah, wabodam. Scroll down. See? Coffee. Hagendaz. Frozen fruit. Rice cakes. Oh, I didn't see all that bougie shit, man. It wasn't on the main list, therefore it's null and void. I said one list, bro. One list. Uno. One. Singular. That's what man was going off. I can't be opening extra lists and shit. The supermarket is a war zone, bro. Did you hear him? It wasn't on the main list. That's because you were asking me where the oat milk was. That text I sent before all that nonsense would have dropped right below the main list and therefore would then be a part of the main list. But you were like, where's the oat milk at, my guy? Who even drinks oat milk, my guy? Why am I buying this bougie shit, my guy? I don't work in fucking Tesco's, bro. I'd never use my guy in that context. In fact, too many my guys altogether, bro. Although, that's a decent impression, I'll give you that. That being said, it wasn't on the main list, therefore I'm not liable. I mean, I would have called myself American until very recently, just because that's the other that's the other end of my identity. We we tend to maybe focus when we talk about mixed race people or the new Irish, we tend to focus on the kind of the the negative aspects of that or the the pain of it, and, and that's definitely what I focus on in the play. But I think I found and I still find that there's something a little bit appealing about being different and there's something a little bit appealing and there's something kind of quite nice about being able to say oh well you know I'm Irish but I'm also this I'm also something else and I suppose maybe when I was younger I, I you know I would hyper focus on that because it, it's something to differentiate yourself with if it's something you're proud of it's not something that people can kind of hold against you or fling at you or make you feel ashamed of I think being an act of colour now is definitely at this point moment of time is very good because I think even the, the Baptista program opened up all these things, getting more voices, more parts. Because I mean, I remember when I was starting out, I was kind of only ever up for like the token black part, or it, it would literally say looking for a black actor. And now I think the casting process is starting to open up more where it's like they're looking for uh, like non ethnic, or it's it's much more open. And specifically being black and Irish, I think is a really it's a really good thing at this time. In, in Ireland um, there's just more plays more film and TV there's more roles for us and there's more actors as well which is good that can support that so I think yeah no, I think it's a good time now when I was starting it was a bit slower but um, yeah it's good now I remember specifically playing James Duffy um, from Dubliners by James Joyce and that was my favourite role I played out of anything I played some pretty cool roles with that one because I had to stretch <laughs> to be this 40, 50-year-old Irish man who's sort of haggard and living by himself and just miserable. And um, I'm not a 40, 50-year-old man, you know. And it was just, it, it allowed me to open parts of myself as an actor that I didn't know was possible. You know, that was the beautiful thing about playing different different characters, colorblind, um, um, older than yourself, younger than yourself, because... For me personally, what acting is about is about transforming and, and you know, stretching to parts that you didn't know were within you, unlocking new parts within yourself that you didn't know. Oh, my God, I didn't know that was there. So for me, the different parts in the layer, I remember playing Jake in Carol Churchill's Serious Money and just those things and being able to play somebody from Eton, you know, who is well-learned and well-spoken and just these beautiful characters from such disparate worlds to mine it and it also allows you to understand people's backgrounds and 
understand why people act the way they do from their backgrounds you know that's what i really love about acting is because you're kind of selfish you want to live all the lives and understand why certain people function the way they do you know so yeah it was it was a brilliant time at the lay i played dara mood in uh, on raftery's hill uh, one of marina carr's first plays and I, like i've always been a big fan of marina carr but i never even pictured myself in one of her plays cuz it's like no way they're going to cast someone who looks like me in that world you know and i think i think that is a real test of where we are that it is becoming more broad and more open and that the audience see that and don't question it you know and that's kind of a great place to be and i think that's where we need to keep going yeah so when my dad came over from detroit it's interesting talking to him about how the country has changed he tells one story about when he came over first. I don't know if it was when they were first getting married or if he was just visiting, um, but I think he was over with my uncle. And he talked about visiting my mother in Swords, her family from Swords, and walking around Swords Village, which was tiny at the time, uh, and, and kind of meeting people. And <laughs> people would come up and ask him, you know, are you Mike Tyson? Because that was the only reference that they had I just find that story so tickling, just the idea of, you know, see a black man, hear his accent. It must be Mike Tyson. <laughs> Why do you want to go down to the rock pools? What? I don't know. I thought it'd be cool. Are you meeting someone down there? Meeting someone? Yeah. Who would I be meeting? I don't know. One of your friends. I don't know anyone down here, Dad. All my friends are at home. You could be meeting a girl or something. A girl? Yeah, like, you know. I don't think so, Dad. Or a boy, maybe? Dad. That'd be fine. Dad, stop. We could go get a ball and kick it around later, maybe. Nah. Why not? Don't really like football anymore. Don't you? No, not really. That's a new development. Yeah. I think it's especially important in today's time because you want especially in theatre and, and TV and film, you want to reflect the society that's actually there, you know. Sometimes I remember, you know, you'd go and see a play and you'd see a play set in Dublin and it's supposed to be modern, but it doesn't reflect what I'm seeing on the actual outside, you know. So it's important and also it's growing, which is a, which is a good thing because now it's all inclusive more people can see themselves. Like I said before, going back to that saying, you can't be what you can't see. The only reason I really, because I've always wanted to be an actor, but when I was younger, I didn't think it was something that was within my grasp until I saw like Star Wars and I saw John Boyega, who was one of the leads, but he was black and he looked like me. And I was like, hold on a second. You know, if he can do it, why, like, why can't I at least try to, to go for it? So it's quite important for, for young people and I always emphasize, you know, for the youth, because I know what it's like when you want to be something, but you don't see it reflected in society. So we're growing, we're growing slowly, but it's definitely an absolute positive for, for the Irish society today. I also just finished The Beauty Queen of Lanan last year with the Lyric Hammersmith, directed by Rachel O'Reardon, with the wonderful Orla Fitzgerald, Ingrid Craigie and Adam Best. And it was just... Phenomenal. And again, those parts I didn't in the past wouldn't have even 
part of them, I loved reading them and thought, oh, this is such great theatre and it just flies off the page, but I never would have pitched myself in it. So I think that's a real testament to where we are as a society and where we're thinking that, no, things can be broader and not anyone could play anything, but I think it's letting more people in, which is good. And I love radio because it's colourblind. <laughs> I mean, my voice, yeah, who knows? Who knows if you just hear my voice? <laughs> Uh, Colorblind on radios. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, I think Ireland is definitely still racist. I don't think we can let ourselves necessarily off the hook uh, too quickly. But I do think there is, there seems to be, and this maybe is just a consequence of me not having a lot of experience elsewhere, but I do feel, certainly among my generation, that there is a real effort being made to be conscious and to be really active in a kind of a really dedicated anti-racism that I feel maybe in older generations might have manifested itself in just a kind of, oh, well, I'm not racist, but I'll just, I'll ignore it. You know, it doesn't matter to me, so I'll just treat it like something that doesn't exist, which of course then leaves, you know, the door open to being taken advantage of and being exploited by uh, unscrupulous politics or politicians or you know uh, yeah and in that edition of In the Wings we heard from participants in the Baptiste programme Smock Alley Theatre's ambitious initiative to develop new dramatic writing with Irish writers of colour in the discussion we heard writer-performer Kwaku Fortune writer C.N. Smith and actor Clinton Liberty. And in the excerpts from It's Cool in the Shade by Kwaku Fortune, Clinton Liberty played Kwame and Kwaku Fortune played Rory. In the excerpts of A Trip to the Beach by C.N. Smith, Clinton Liberty played Eli and Peter Daly played Eli's father, Frank. For details of this year's Baptiste programme, go to smockalley.com. And congratulations to Kwaku Fortune, C.N. Smith, Jade Jordan and Feli Speaks, all four of whom have been commissioned under the 2022 Transatlantic Commissions Programme, led by Fishamble, the new play company, and the Irish Repertory Theatre in New York. This week's edition of In the Wings was produced by Kevin Reynolds and Kevin Brew. Tom Norton was on sound. You can hear the complete editions of this two-part In the Wings series at rte.ie forward slash drama on one. Drama on one. Sundays at 8pm. rte.ie forward slash drama on one. Drama on one.